0: Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK now from the sunbury motors studio here's steve jones today's show brought to you by sunbury motors 4th street in sunbury sunbury motors kia routes 11 and 15 in hummels wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. ford kia hyundai best in new inventory with great warranties so important pre-owned inventory they go over with a fine tooth comb thus they end up earning the sunbury motors guarantee which is critical to the buying experience And a terrific service department that backs it up. And they're looking for more technicians. You think about a job change? Uh, Work with people who are the best at what they do. And that would be Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Obviously, a great night last night for Penn State basketball with the drama that allowed the Nittany Lions to beat 12th-ranked Illinois 90 to 89. Uh, it was interesting in watching the game play out last night. There was a point when they played Michigan State last week. They're down 14 points, and to be honest with you, I'm sitting there and they're down 14 to Michigan State, and I just don't didn't see a pathway based on how the game was playing out that Penn State could win the game. You just didn't. You just kind of felt like you know that the way it was playing out, they were just out of it. Last night they're down 14 points, and I had a feeling that was 180 of that, that I could see a pathway because Penn State actually, especially on offense, was playing really really well. And I, I saw a pathway as a possibility for them to win. The key shot, there were two key shots in the game. One was a miss and one was a make. The make is obvious. It's the Jameel Brown three on the break where he made it a four-point game. Now, because he does that, the math starts to work for you in the ability to maybe win the game. And that was with 35.1 seconds to go. The miss was by Illinois, and I don't mean at the end. They have the lead, and Penn State's pressing them, they're able to break the press, and they get the ball. I think it was the Luke Goody in the far corner, as, as, we, as, as we saw it. And he took the shot. I'm like, you know, he missed it. And Dick and I look at each other. That's the first time I looked at it and said, guess what? They're starting to unravel. He needed to pull the ball out, run some clock, knock 20 seconds off the clock, then take a shot. The 20 seconds was more valuable than the points at that stage. And when he took that shot, Dick and I looked at it and said, you know what? It got him crazed, right? They could win the game. When he missed that shot, that's when I thought they could win the game. And, Todd, what didn't Mike Rhodes do last night?
1: I'm going to guess panic.
0: Well... Uh, it's actually, I'm talking about uh, in terms of strategy. Foul. Well, yeah, you're right. He didn't do that. They did not do that, except on the Hawkins thing. They ended right. up fouling. They had to. They had no choice, but they let it play out. But he didn't call a timeout. Mm-hmm. All right. Think about this. 18 seconds ago, Hawkins, who, by the way, walked. I mean, I'm talking like clearly walked <clears throat> on the play. officiating was a little strange last night. But he clearly walks. No call. Like, okay. So Penn State, now it's 18 seconds ago. They have to foul. But see, they were smart about it. Penn State's not out there. You're right, Todd. Not out there fouling. No, you can let it play out a little bit before you finally feel like you're forced to foul. All right. And as I mentioned, Hawkins walked and it wasn't called. So they ended up fouling him. And this is where Dick and I always bring out the great Simon Gratz graduate NBA guy, Rasheed Wallace quote, ball don't lie. He missed both shots. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ball don't lie. Uh, missed both shots and the, um, And then Penn State gets the rebound. Now, remember, Illinois is out of timeouts. They had trouble getting the ball in. They had to use their last two timeouts. Okay? And the um, Penn State let it play out. So you're talking about a team in Illinois that I think their bench was expecting them to call a timeout somewhere in that sequence. And the Penn State grabbed the rebound and played. No timeout. Which meant, for Illinois, no chance to do what? Set its defense. Uh Uh-oh. Houston, we got a problem. Now they have to go out there and they have to set their defense. Okay. All right. And... And that became, and then in the scramble, Ace gets into the lane. Now, Mike wanted him to go further. The plan was to go further. He wants wants Ace to get as far as possible on a play like that. But um, he couldn't because Illinois was able to, to close the lane down. Because the idea was to go in, and if he had a shot, take it. If not, he'd kick it back out to Zach. Well, he hit, kicks it out to Hicks. And Hicks takes the three and gets fouled by Hawkins. And Hawkins, I mean, clearly, not, not only clearly fouled him, but he fouled him twice Um on the play. And... the um and he goes to the line and Todd he acted as if there was no big deal on the face of the earth in terms of hitting free throws I'm talking none zero like it was
1: no big deal I, I, and I was going to say I think it was in Dave's in Dave's story this morning Dave Jones's story this morning that was kind of that was kind of Zach's quote about about going to the line, too. Yeah, it was it was no big deal. He went in there and took care of it. Okay. I don't think he hit rim on any of the three of them, did he? No, he did not. And then
0: what didn't Penn State do again? There's four point two seconds to go. Instead of calling timeout, which allows you to quote set your defense, right? Uh Guess what? Again, Illinois is out of timeout, so they can't set a play here. They pl- kept playing, and they never. I mean, that they got a good shot out of it, but Harmon was a little off balance once he got to the. Uh, um. Once he got to um, the bucket. And that was, um, and they were able to, you know, and it rolled off. I mean, he got a good shot out of it, but he's a little off balance. And Penn State won. The place went crazy. Um, but, you know, I mean, when Jameel Brown hit the three, that's when Mike called the timeout with 35.1 to go. He called the timeout after Jameel hit the three to make it a four point game. After that, he didn't use any timeouts. The next two timeouts were both called by Illinois, and they were back-to-back because they couldn't get the ball in. And you
1: could just tell at that point they were a bit crazed. Like, okay. I mean, you know as well as I do that that's the point of that press and the point of that defense. And, you know, they do call a timeout with three seconds left. That's probably more of Illinois' advantage at that point, too. I'm sure. Right. I'm sure Mike yeah. wants a little better defense than they got going up the court there, but <laughs> well, Hawkins made a good pass to Harmon. Yeah,
0: that, I mean that—that's the sign. What did I say about yesterday about uh, Hawkins? I said he's one of the top five to seven passers in the league. Yeah, and you could see it there. I mean, the guy is a good good passer. There's no getting around it, and. That was, um, and then they charged the court, and it was great. Penn State in the first half played most of the half with the lead. That was really important because that allowed Penn State to build enough collateral that allowed them to stay within hailing distance when Illinois got hot. And Illinois, look, let's face it, when you are sitting there and you are watching the Illinois team rebound left and right, and and, and we talked about yesterday that it was going to be a problem, it was going to be a problem because of their length and their athleticism when they out rebounded Penn State 49 to 25
1: yikes <laughs> that's a big number I was going to say and it was almost 50 because they were pretty close to getting the offensive rebound on the second missed foul shot too yeah but Zach Hicks got it Yeah, that was a big rebound by Hicks and Hicks had 8
0: rebounds in the game And, I mean, that's that's the one part you're worried about. Well, there are two elements there you're worried about. One, you are worried about him making the free throws. Two, if he misses, they're so good, they might get the ball back. Great. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So... Great win, and now there's going to be a lot of talk about the venue. Um, There is no question that the players will tell you what a great atmosphere it happened to be. And it was. It was a great atmosphere. Um, No getting around it. And... The, uh, but as Brad Underwood pointed out, and he's absolutely correct, they just played at Maryland. They had 18,000 people there. They won the game. The, um, Illinois, I mean, you need help in a situation like this. Illinois did a laundry list of things. I mean, a laundry list. Of things to lose the game. I it, mean, it, stunning, including that miss jumper. That miss jumper, when they could run clock, was you kind of sat back and went, "Okay, they're not thinking." That's a you know, when you're trying to win a game, that's a problem. On a night where Shannon at 35 career high, he took 18 attempts himself. They fouled him eleven times last night. He got fouled eleven times, Todd. And he was twelve of I think twelve of eighteen at the free throw line, something like that. But that was um I mean That was big, and it was about two minutes to go, and Hicks had just hit a jumper, right? And right now Penn State's down eight. And they broke the press, and Goody took the shot. You're like, what is he doing? That made no sense. The time meant more than than the, the points at that stage. And he missed the shot on the play. And the Penn State went right down, boom, and hit a three from Zach Hicks, and it was. And I think I said in the broadcast that's a six point turnaround. Okay.
1: You know, that's one of the things that's missing on all levels right now. I think is, is situational awareness, and and <clears throat> in all sports, and obviously that that's kind of something that hurt Illinois last night. I. I, I, I see. The, I see it more in high school for obvious reasons, but sometimes, like you said, sometimes the time off the clock is way more important than the points.
0: Well, and the situational awareness was absolutely not there for Illinois, yeah. and we go back to what Mike did with the timeouts. Now, look, I mean, Penn, you know, if if Penn State gives up the offensive rebound, it doesn't matter. You got to foul again. You got trouble. The whole deal, All right? But, um. Then he decides not to call a timeout. He trusts his team. Well, I mean, Penn State could have missed the shot, which Zach did, but he was fouled in the play. He almost made it. But that was, um, that Penn State's situational awareness was exponentially better than Illinois. I mean, way better than Illinois. And yeah, I'll, say, I'll I'll make one quick comment about the officiating last night. There was a play where the ball goes off the mask's foot and it goes into the seats, and the three officials were all looking at each other like, "Okay, well, who's that off?" I'm like, dick and I are like, what do you mean who's that off?" <laughs> he dribbled it off his foot and it went out of. It's like, oh, "What are we doing here?" <laughs> Okay, I can see one guy missing it, but all three of them, <laughs> they're all looking at each other confused. I'm thinking,
1: this is this is not good. They didn't have to go to the possession arrow for it, did they? Oh, no, they wow.
0: didn't. They finally decided it, it had to have gone off his foot. Like, nobody saw it. How can you not see it? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. And like, okay... You really think so? Sure you do. Uh and, and remember in one of the timeouts that that Underwood took, it was to tell Terrence Shannon not to take threes. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding you. Right? No, don't take any threes. Just keep driving to the bucket. Okay. Yeah. Which is the right thing to do. But that was like Shannon was out there and he's like, You ready to hoist one? He's like, Yo, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Don't hoist. Here's one for you Penn State's now beaten Illinois four straight times in four different arenas. They beat him at the State Farm Center in Champaign. They beat him at the Jordan Center last year. They beat him at the United Center in the Big Ten Tournament, and they beat him. Recall last night. <laughs> That's hard to do. It is hard to do. Four different arenas, four different wins. Right? Dick looked at him. He says, Dick's the one that pointed it out. I didn't hadn't thought of it. But Dick pointed it out to me. <laughs> I said." Way Brad Underwood feels right now, they could play in the parking lot and not win.
1: <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh, that would hurt them in the. Uh, they'd probably rebound better in that little tight space out there in the Rec right Hall parking
0: lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they probably would. <laughs> but yeah, great win last night. Now we got Rob Brooks coming up, and I think Todd, I gotta send you his number. <laughs>
1: right. Yes, you do.
0: Yeah. Um. The. There's going to be a debate about where to play Penn State basketball. We'll address that a little bit later. Because um, I know for Mike, a priority is... Uh, it, it's it's not building a new venue or anything like that. It, Mike really wants a practice facility. He felt that was a game changer for him at VCU. And he feels it can be a game changer here for him. I mean, I think that's higher on his priority scale. Um but we'll talk about that because after last night, look, playing at rec hall does not guarantee you're going to get a win. Playing at rec hall guarantees you're going to have an atmosphere. After that, um, then it becomes a question of, Because, I mean, I've done a lot of games at Rec Hall where Penn State pulled up since dramatic, incredible, the whole thing. And I've done games where Penn State hasn't won. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I sort of run the gambit here, <laughs> you know? All right. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia, best of new inventory. Great, a pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors Guarantee. Terrific service department that backs it up every step of the way at Sunbury. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors here, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at SunburyMotors.com. Time now to bring in somebody who's thoroughly outstanding at his job to begin with, but also at the same time has had a front row seat to history because he is the play-by-play voice of Iowa women's basketball, Rob Brooks. Brooksie, how you been?
2: Good, the Steve Jones show. I love that opening.
0: Uh, well, they were trying to come up with a clever name. That's the best they could do. <laughs> uh, Rob, you, you, I would, quick story for everybody. 1954, and no, I did was I did not do the games, Rob. 1954, Penn State plays in Iowa City and beat LSU and Notre Dame to advance to the school's one final four. The play-by-play announcer was Bob Brooks, Rob's dad.
2: Yeah. (laughs) How about that? See, when, uh, yeah, so when uh, you talk about the Ironman back in 1939, he had to preface by saying, no, he did not do those games. (laughs) (laughs) Was there, but didn't do them.
0: (laughs) Rob, I mean, being around Dolphin and Podolak, you're used to police escorts. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Although I like to point out that usually it's better when it's in front and not behind. (laughs) (laughs) But what has it been like in your observation about just getting from an airport to a hotel, getting from a hotel to an arena because of the situation surrounding Caitlin Clark?
2: Well, we're at shoot-around right now in uh, Bloomington. Yep. And uh, there's eight police officers uh, surrounding the court, <laughs> and that uh, gives you kind of an indication of uh, how things have changed uh, this year. And really, um, the fact that you, you know, Steve, used to it in football, uh, the police escorts, the, yep. the seven or eight buses. Now we're up to two buses in, uh, in basketball. Police escorts to and from the arena. And a lot of it has to do with uh, the fact that you know, all these games are sold out and not used to women's basketball crowds like that in most places. And the ticketing has been the general admission. You know, the, the season ticket holders obviously have a seat, but other than that, if you buy a ticket on a one-game basis, it's general admission. So but what that turns into is fans wrapping around the arena in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, to give you a case in point, we're at Wisconsin in December, and they typically get 2,500 fans per game. There's 15,000 for this game. Mm-hmm. It's 27 degrees. It's a two o'clock tip. Yeah. And at six thirty in the morning, the entire coal center is wrapped with people. And it's been like that just about every stop. So. The traffic has been uh, really tough. It's like a football Saturday, uh, traffic-wise, everywhere. So, yeah, it's uh, a police escort uh, to and from the stadium, um, back doors at hotels, and, you know, just uh, having a police presence at all times. hard to get into a a hotel elevator because people are, you know, milling around once they find out where uh, the Hawkeyes are staying. It's... uh, it's been a, an experience from a basketball standpoint that uh, you never thought you'd witness.
0: You've done a national championship game, that was last year, and now you're calling history. What has that been like for you, Rob? Well,
2: it's uh, it, it, it's been a been a journey. It's never something you, you anticipate because as you know, you're on sports for so long. You just can't anticipate that unless you're a handful of schools. If you're South Carolina women's basketball or um, LSU, you you know that you've pretty much got a chance uh, to get there. But things happen. You know, At the University of Iowa, it's happened twice in women's basketball and um, have not been the men's final four since uh, 1980. So it's just not something you really anticipate. And even when they were playing well in the tournament last year, you still, okay, well, there's a lot of roadblocks to get to. One, the final four, one, the championship game, but uh, you know, Coach Bluter did such a great job in um, you know embracing um, you know all the uh, the fan attention and all the pressure to uh, hey, this is it—you got to get to the Final Four, Final Four or bust—and and talked about it how it was a privilege um, to be in this position. And I think the team really embraced that and has continued this year. Uh, they've really handled this well. Caitlin Clark's handled it well. You think about the mental pressure that is on that kid night in and night out i mean it's a show right i mean people are there Mm -hmm. to see you it's like going to a concert you are there for a specific reason for the most part now it's a good basketball team but you've got a a star that uh, people that don't even like basketball follow and just how mentally tough that is night in and night out and still to perform Uh, i've never seen anything like it and, uh, you know, she doesn't have a 3-for-20 game or a 4-for-17 game. Might, obviously, shooting, great shooting nights, yes, and, and mediocre shooting nights, sure. But she can do so much else that you still uh, can uh, get that experience and get an idea what she's like. But um, that's been uh, extraordinary to watch um, how she's handled that.
0: Away from the floor, uh, how's she been? Uh, because she, people forget she's 22. She's not 32, she's 22. So away from the floor, how's she been?
2: I've always uh, kind of termed it as what you see is what you get. Uh, She's very competitive. When it's time to be serious, it's, it's time to be serious. But, you know, she'll joke around and just kind of blend in with the team. You know, on the road or um, you know, pregame, game post-game, you wouldn't have any idea that she's averaging almost 33 points a game and has the NCAA women's scoring record, and uh, gets along with her teammates very, very well. Kate Martin and her are really, really good friends, and I think that was part of the reason why a couple of the Iowa players came back after last mm-hmm. year that didn't have to, and uh, just to uh, embrace the experience and uh, to play with her. And, you know, if you're a post player, why wouldn't you love that, right? I mean, you're going to get the ball in, uh, mm-hmm. in certain situations. And if you can make tough catches, so you've got a chance to score a lot of points. But a very competitive person, uh, very serious when it's time, but um, also will we'll joke around and uh, have a good time.
0: What about the ability of Lisa Bluter and how she's had to handle it? Because she has a star that is awesome to have, but you have to make it all work. What kind of job has she done in making it work? Uh, masterful. You know, I think
2: um, you're right. I mean, that can be a blessing and a curse. And she has um, molded this player from when she was a freshman to now improved every single year. And you've got to remember uh, Megan Gustafson, who was uh, here yeah. five, six years ago, was also National Player of the Year. Yeah. Kathleen Doyle, uh, four years ago, was Big Ten player of the year she's coached three big 10 players of the year and will be a fourth well actually megan had two caitlin will have two and then kathleen doyle so that's five uh, in the last within the last uh, seven years and two national players of the year so development and you know just um, the ability to you know mentally get you ready and improve every single year, add things on the court, but also work on your demeanor, work on everything off the court as well, and I don't think it could have worked out any better for both parties.
0: All right, so but what coaches can do is they do a great, the great ones have the ability to accentuate what their players can do, and then figure out a way to cover up a deficiency. All right? And, and and if you can cover it up, it can work. No offense, I, mean, I, I always talk about things in a basketball point of view. I can go all through the positives, of Kate and Clark, but the one negative to me, she's not a great defender. They do a to me, Lisa Bluter has done a great job of masking that, where she's good enough defensively based on what they're having her do. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, and I think um, absolutely. And they they aren't going to put her on the toughest opponent one because it's too taxing for 35 yep. minutes yep and uh, number two not the best defender on the team but I'll tell you what she has really improved her defense I mean basically when she got to Iowa you're in high school you're the you're the star you're a five-star recruit you're not going to be a great defensive player but she has that capability she's six feet she's long and I'll tell you what In certain situations, if you need a steal or if you need um, a ball to be tapped up in the air, uh, she has done that. And I think what she has kind of learned is steals lead to easy hoops. And obviously with the defenses she sees being double-teamed and triple-teamed, okay, if you're going to average over 30 points a game, one, you got to get to the free-throw line, which she does. But number two is how can you get some easy buckets in transition? And that's off steals. And I would say in the back half of this year, she has uh, greatly improved in that um, aspect of it. This is a better defensive team than it has been in the past. And um, I think she's uh, part of it where you know she's um, locking in intensely on that defensive end. I
0: mean, youth is a disease and it can be cured. But when I saw her early in her career, freshman into her sophomore year, I didn't feel like she had great situational awareness now I feel like she orchestrates situational awareness to the highest level. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, it is. Uh, I think um, you know, her freshman year kind of played um, like she was still in high school and um, didn't handle uh, some of the tough defensive pressures at times, you know, trying to find that open teammate to really uh, embracing the assist and maybe taking some bad shots. And uh, that has gone away. And you still have to let her be Caitlin, right? I think that's part of the beauty of it. You know, it might be a a bad pass here or there to try to make that perfect pass, or, you know, a logo three when maybe you didn't need it. But uh, (laughs) that's okay. You have to live with some of that.
0: Name me a play that even surprised you because you've called every shot of her career and every play of her career.
2: (laughs) I'll, I'll give you a game. How's that? Yeah, go back yep. to um, go back to her sophomore year. This is the the point in time where I said, okay, this this can really be a thing. And it was um kind of late January of her sophomore year. Iowa had a couple of key injuries uh, to uh, the starting five. So they're really down to like seven or eight even total players playing at Michigan, top 5 team in the country, and Michigan gets off to a great start and you know, places um, rocket and rolling. Michigan has a lead of over twenty points through three quarters. Sunday afternoon, most teams okay. Let's uh, let's go home. You will play till Thursday. We'll regroup and um, we'll go on from there. And she came across the timeline, one step, started the fourth <laughs> quarter, and, and fired a shot. <laughs> now we've seen the long threes, not half court, in the midst of the game. <laughs> knocked it down. Same, next possession, same thing. Knocked it down. <laughs> then they start coming out. She dribbles around, then shoots a, you know, a 35 foot free, hits it, scores 25 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. In 10 minutes, Iowa pulls to within five. <laughs> it was yeah. basically one on five. Michigan ended up winning the game. But I walked out of there and so said, I've, I've never mm-hmm. on TV in person seen anything like that and you know and that's, it, it, that's when you knew that uh, okay this this has got some teeth
0: this is where i, I draw the comparison to steph curry and it's good, and, and i think you'll find it interesting the three isn't obvious but to me steph curry is the best in the nba at layups and i think she's the best in, in basketball at layups it's interesting
2: yeah, it is, Stephen. You're exactly right, because you have to make those to average what those right. two players right. are averaging.
0: I mean, look at the, ang- the, you the, angles, games, the angles that and she takes. They don't everything. Yeah, I mean, the angles she takes and everything to make a layup. It's not simply like, oh, I'm laying it in. No, she does it with angles and purpose. She understands the geometry of it.
2: Right, and also potential contact. You know, there's always yes. somebody... You know, that's late on help or trying to slide over. Because, uh, obviously, you know where she is on the floor all the time. And you're exactly right. You just you have to be able to execute those real makeable shots that, you know, quite frankly, you see a lot of players that can uh, hit difficult shots. But, boy, they'd, um, they'd average uh, 10 points more if they uh, mm-hmm. took care of business underneath the basket.
0: Okay, the other part, too, is I'm watching the Penn State game, and she's dishing off one assist after another on a 40 what 47 night. underneath i mean that that told me everything about her the teammates
2: right yeah no doubt about it and um i think uh what comes across during the games and uh, in practice her, her teammates enjoy playing with her and um she enjoys them and it's um it's a uh, it's a great thing because uh, you really see the joy on uh, all of their faces, and they, they enjoy being around each other. And you see that night in and night out, and even after a tough loss, you know the way that they've been able to bounce back, I think, you know says a lot. Nobody points fingers, and uh, the staff has a lot to do with that and really try to um, embrace every single role on the team. A lot of people talk about it, but they, uh, they put it to action and, and do it every day, and uh, the players buy in.
0: Uh, what Lynette Woodard is next because her AIAW stuff, right? And then it's yep. then, it, then it's it's Maravich. Have you thought at all about the Maravich thing, considering circumstances and things like that? Because it's obviously would be a great moment.
2: It will be. It's uh, ninety nine points, so I don't think it'll happen tonight. No, it doesn't mean it's
0: not possible. <laughs> I might,
2: might, might have a, uh, a couple games to think about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously this was uh, this was the big one because you could really compare. You know the games in the NCAA. You know, Maravich. When that happens, there'll be people to talk about. Well, you didn't have any three pointers. and Did it in three years and all that type of thing. But it is. I mean, you're still at the top of the list. Uh, She's only in her fourth year. It's not like she's a sixth year senior or anything. Mm -hmm. So it will be. Um, I'll think about it. You know, I'm not ever one to write anything down or same here or anything like that. But I'll just I'll think about it and kind of how it comes out. It'll come out.
0: That's, I'm the same way. I just it happens. It happens. I always tell everybody yep. if it's if if it's a memorable call to match the moment, great. If it's not so great, they'll still remember the play. <laughs> so right, say, right. Yeah, <laughs> it still in, there. right. It still went in, right? Yeah, I, I don't really worry about it too much. Rob, you're the no. best. Oh no, no, no! You're the best. You did a great job with all this. Nobody, they couldn't have handpicked anybody better to handle it uh, than you. You've been terrific.
2: Well, appreciate it, Steve. I know you had a fun one last night. I, uh, I watched the whole thing from the hotel room and uh, what an atmosphere that was.
0: Yeah, no, it was great. But you'll see a crazy one again tonight. You see a crazy one every night. so <laughs> It has been. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rob, thanks so much. Appreciate the time, and uh, good luck to all of you out there. That's great.
2: Appreciate it, Steve. Great to talk to you. Hope to see you soon.
0: You too. Rob Brooks, the play-by-play voice, outstanding play-by-play voice of Iowa women's basketball. Just us give you a little insight on what it's been like traveling with the Caitlin Clark Show. And it's been a show. <laughs> it's been a show. And Rob's had a front-row seat to all of it. And again, just one quick thing about Mirovich. Uh, you know, Maravich scored, I think, something like 700 points in freshman games and things like that, which they, it doesn't count. But let's just celebrate the fact she's doing it. And let's just celebrate, the, you know, and it will then remind everybody of Merovich's career. But let's celebrate the fact that she's doing it. It's a great moment, right? Let's have fun with it. Let's not over it. Let's just have fun with it. Enjoy it. Absorb it. Right? This is something that we haven't seen from anybody. Oh, I mean, are there there differences and so on? Sure, who cares? We argue about petty things all the time. That's what makes the show go. (laughs) (laughs) We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. That was fun talking to Rob. Now we're gonna get into the Rec Hall Jordan Center thing in the next half hour. It seems to be the great debate. Um I will show up at the Jordan Center on Saturday and start eleven thirty think I'll Get going at noon and see how it plays out. Um it, it is um um It was a great atmosphere last night. As Rob said, it was great. Everybody could see it. It was coming through the TV set last night, how great it was. And that's, you know, look, that atmosphere is like that. They're different sports in terms of how they play out, but the atmosphere for Penn State wrestling is phenomenal. The atmosphere for women's volleyball is phenomenal, right? Different kind of atmosphere and feel for men's and women's gymnastics. Women's gymnastics has the building tomorrow and Saturday for that big five meet. Uh, women's basketball gets it tonight. And then wrestling is in there with Edinburgh on, uh, on uh, Sunday. Oh, yeah. Um, it is. The um you know, one thing I would have changed last night. The students were always along the sideline. Always along the sideline. Back in the day. And they were in the end zone last night. Okay. I'd have put them on the sideline, but that's me, maybe. You know. Hey. Right. (laughs) And, uh. Look, you don't win every game you go in there. I mean, I've done a boatload of games in there. I think, I'm just guessing, at least 250 of them, I would say, at least. When it's all said and done, you know, it's somewhere between 250 and 300 I've done in there. In terms of men's games, because I've done other events in there, I've done over 400 events in there between. All the TV stuff I've done with men's and women's gymnastics, and women's volleyball and men's volleyball, and women's basketball, and you know, so I mean, and wrestling. I, people don't think I've done a lot of wrestling. I've done at least fifty wrestling matches in my career on TV. Because we had that deal with Channel Three, and then I did some stuff with BTM.
1: I think people forget the BTN hasn't been around that all that long. 2007. No, way longer than I was thinking.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, between 1980 and 2007, before that, I was doing all these events with Channel 3. And I remember one time, I want to say it was like 2004, maybe? Two thousand five, Penn State opened at Northwestern in basketball. I flew back and did a wrestling match on a Friday night and flew back to do a basketball game in